All right, I will say good morning. Let us begin. A beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us today. Let us begin by going ahead and thanking our sponsors. To first thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Av, Max and Brenda Lapkovsky. In honor of Yitzchak Meir's upcoming bar mitzvah, Dr. Eva Mitzner, in commemoration of the first yard site of her father, Dr. Larry Schenk, Aryeh Ben Chaim Zichron Livracha. We hope that in the merit of our Tamatora, the Neshama have an Aliyah and the family in Nechama. We thank our Week of Learning sponsors, Mark and Sarah Meisler, for the yard site of Mark's grandmother, Ann Altman, Chana Devora Bas Yehuda, Bill and Rezi Eskin, Lezech Nishmas, Bill's father, Mordechai Ben David, and Lezech Nishmas Rezi's mother, Tzivya Bas Moshe Aaron, and our Dafyomi sponsor today, Nathan and Beth Adler, in memory of Aunt Betty Gutterman, Bas, Batya Bas Rabnasan, on the occasion of her yard site. We hope that the Neshama has an Aliyah and the family in Nechama. And we'll say with that, let us begin. Today's daf is daf Vav, a beautiful and incredible daf ahead of us today. We are picking up in Yerat Hashem on Hey Amud Beis. We are picking up on 5B, and I believe we left off, we left off Mimai, which is uh, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18 lines off from the bottom. Last word on that. So, we'll say, so remember again, in yesterday's daf, something really beautifully dramatic occurred, which was, which was the idea that pretty much everything about sukkah is learned out from the Aron. So remember, again, we have the height of the walls being learned out from the height of what we'll call, for lack of a better, for lack of a better term, the container of the Aron, container plus the lid. And now ultimately, again, what we ended off with yesterday is the idea that the schach needing to be lamala me'asara, that the schach, remember again, the Gemara floated a possibility that maybe the schach itself could be within the tenth falchim. Tenth falchim is the minimum shear, but maybe the tenth falchim includes the schach as well, to which the Gemara proved from the fact that the wings of the kruvim were extended above the kruvim, and they're referred to as schach. They're referred to as schach. And therefore, again, the Gemara gleaned from that the idea that the schach itself is not included in the ten tefach measurement, but rather is above the ten. So the Gemara said, finu alayu reshayu. How do you know that the wings of the Kruvim were extended above their head? Maybe the wings of the Kruvim were simply, were simply by their sides. Or or by the head. Because the Pasuk says, The Pasuk indicates that the wings were extended upward. I the Ema Dimidli Tuva, so maybe the wings were really extended much higher, much higher. Makes you have Lamala Ulamala. Does it say Lamala Lamala? Just says Lamala. So Lamala Rabbos, we understand to mean immediately above the head. Good. So Rabbos say this entire discussion, remember, this entire discussion began by the Gemara asking a very simple question. Mishnah, you told me the minimum dimensions of a sukkah, or the minimum dimensions of the wall is 10 Tfachim. Where do I learn that out from? To which the Gemara answered, I learned it out from the Aron. Fine. We'll say, what do I know about the Aron? Let's talk about this in just a moment. What do I know about the Aron? The Torah gives me the dimensions of the height of the box. What doesn't the Torah give me the dimensions of? The height of the lid. Right, so the whole discussion is about the lid. To which the Gemara says, okay, well, let's talk about this in just a moment. The Torah tells me when it speaks about the height of the box, it says, it says, Amo v'chetzi, one and a half Amos. To which the Gemara says, Rabbi Meir, Amos Hayu Benonios. But we'll say this whole discussion makes sense to Rabbi Meir. 
Rabbi Meir holds that the Amma we're talking about is an Amma of six Tfachim. So if you're dealing with an Amma of six Tfachim, then okay, beautiful. Then I have a box that is nine Tfachim tall. And then again, we go through our whole exercise in order to go ahead and arrive at the conclusion that the lid is one Tefach in height. El Rabbi Huda Amr Amma Shal Binyon, Shisha Tfachim, Vishal Kalim Chamisha, we will say, but according to Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda is an interesting sheet up. Rabbi Huda holds like this. An ama for construction purposes, was an ama of six tfachim. But when we speak about an ama of utensils, they used an ama of five tfachim. Oh, well, then this changes the entire discussion. So the Gimar, if that's the case, we will say, if you're only dealing with an ama, ultimately, again, a five tfachim, so what's five and a half? So what's what's an? I'm sorry. If you're only dealing with an amma of five tefachim, so then essentially again, what is one and a half amos? The Gemara says kamahavi havilu tamniopalga. It'll be eight and a half tefachim. Pashuluhu chad sorry upalga. Ultimately, again, I will say what that would mean is that halacha lemaisa when measuring when measuring the aron vis-a-vis the height of the mishkan, you would have eleven and a half tefachim of space. Maybe then sukkah, the minimum share of sukkah shouldn't be 10 tfachim. Maybe the minimum share of sukkah should be what? 11 and a half tfachim. To which the Gemara says, you're right. This whole previous discussion does not work according to Rabbi Huda. The discussion of say we had on the entire daf of hay was only a discussion according to Rabbi Meir who holds that an ama in the Mikdash, when I say Mikdash, it's Mikdash slash Mishkan, is an ama of six tfachim. So I, where does Rabbi Yehuda learn about the minimum dimension of a wall being ten tfachim in height? Listen to this, Rabbi Osei. This is so fascinating. Ella, Rabbi Yehuda, Hilchasa Gemiri Lehum. Current Rabbi Yehuda, it is a halacha l'moshe misinai. Fascinating, Rabbi Osei. Isn't this absolutely incredible? You see, what, what's beautiful about this is, what is everybody agreeing on? What is everybody agreeing on? Right? Minimum dimensions, right? So every, that, that's the beauty of this. Everyone is agreeing that the minimum height of a wall ultimately, again, is 10 tfachim. What they're disagreeing about is how you get there. According to Rabbi Meir, the way I'm getting there, again, is really based on the height of the aron combined with the lid. According to Rabbi Huda, that's not going to work because Rabbi Huda is going to use an amma that's made up of five tfachim. So where does Rabbi Huda learn out the minimum shear of a wall for sukkah is going to be 10 tfachim? Halacha l'moshim sinai. Both side to which the Gemara opens up a, a beautiful, a beautiful discussion. Here we go. The Amr Abichia Barashi, Amrav. Well, say, listen to how beautiful this is. Shiurin, Shiurin, Chatzitzin, Umechitzin. So we'll say, Shiurin, Rashi says over here, Shiurin, Shalisurin, Kigon, Kizayis, the Cholachilas, Isser, Uksovus, Umekiporu. In general, Shiurin, whether it's a Kizayis, whether it's the size of a date for consumption of Yom Kippur, Chatzitzin. Both say chatzitzin represent the halakha that whatever chatzitzin, interposition. Remember again, if a person has to immerse in a mikvah, so the body must be free of any, any alien substances that would interpose between the body and the water. And michitzin. Well, say michitzin are the laws of hilchos michitza, right? The, the laws of what makes a partition a partition, what makes a wall a wall. All of these things are halakha lamoshim isinai. Right? Chiurin chatzitzin michitzin halakha lamoshim isinai. So I will say the Gemara says Shiurin da'araisa ninu. From where do we know that Shiurin da'araisa? I say, listen to this. Where do we learn it out from? Dechsev Eretz Chita Usaora Vegefen Uteina Verimon 
Eretz Zeis Shemen Udvash. We will say this is beautiful. What's the Pasuk that's the Makar for all Shi'urin? All Shi'urin? The, the Pasuk of Shiva Saminim. Isn't it incredible? The seven species of Eretz Yisrael, right? The land of wheat, barley, grapes, figs, pomegranates, Zeis Shemen. Remember again, refers to dates, date honey, Udvash. I'm sorry, uh, oh, olives, olives and devash is, is date honey. So I'll say, j- just as an aside, how incredibly beautiful this is and, and how, how auspicious it is that we're reading this Gemara now during the nine days, right? When we, when we mourn so much of what we've lost over the years in Am Yisrael and in Eretz Yisrael. And here, you know what the Gemara is saying? Even before we go on, the Gemara is saying anything and everything in life derives its source from Eretz Yisrael. This is incredibly important. In other words, we don't know how this is going to, what do you mean this Pasuk is the Makar for all Shi'urim? And we'll discuss what it means. But whatever it means, it tells you that this is all of Halacha. All of Halacha, just like everything in life, just like the entire life force of the Jew, somehow is rooted and emanates from the Kiddusha of Eretz Yisrael. Such an incredible thing. And that's why I think, you know, for those of us who have been locked out of Eretz Yisrael again for a, for, for a long time. It's existentially painful because anything and everything we are stems in some way from the Kedusha of the land. The Shi'urim themselves are from Eretz Yisrael. So I'll say, let's analyze this. Here we go. Says the Gemara. This entire Pasik is to teach us the halachas of Shirim. Well, this is a very exciting Gemara. Here we go. Let's go through, we're going to go through each of them and discuss the Shi'urim that it teaches us. Ne'emar Chita, What do I learn from Chita, from grain? Chita teaches me the halachas of Tumah in a house afflicted with Saras. Okay, how, how exactly does that work? So watch this. The Gemara says, this is done. If a person walks into a home, walks into a home, and his kalim, literally again, his clothing is on his shoulders, and his shoes and his rings are in his hand. So what's happening in this case? I'm not wearing my clothing. I'm not wearing my clothing. Again, I could be wearing clothing also, but the point over here is I'm carrying clothing. I'm carrying my shoes. I'm carrying my rings, my accessories. What's the halacha? What's the halacha? Hu vehein tamein miyad. Everything becomes tame immediately. Who means my person, my body. Hain ultimately again means, hain means my clothing. Everything becomes tame immediately. Look at Rashi for just a moment. Rashi says there are tamein miyad below shahiyah. Without any type of waiting, they become tummy instantaneously. Rashi says, This is actually very interesting. So, what the Gemara is saying is like this when you're carrying your clothing, see, the Torah says anything that comes into the home ultimately again becomes tummy immediately. So, when you enter in and you're holding your clothing, both you and your clothing have come into the home, and therefore everything becomes instantaneously tummy. Top of Vav, on the other hand, what happens if I walk into my home, but I'm wearing my clothing, right? I'm wearing my clothing. My clothing is on my body, my shoes, my sandals are on my feet, my rings are on my finger. So what's Talacha? Who Tame Miyad? Me, I, meaning my, my body, becomes Tame immediately. 
and ultimately again, my clothing and accessories remain tar until I linger inside of the home. Kedei achilas pras. Kedei achilas pras means the amount of time it takes to consume half a loaf of bread. We're gonna, now we'll get into that in just a moment. But take a look at the top Rashi. Rashi says, Hayu lavush kelav de ikrul begadav, hu tamim miyad de chseva balabayis, vehein tahorin at shisha. Rashi says, Vaochal bayis abayis de chabes, vedashim utaras kalim, aimi ela ochal beshochev, ochal belo shochem, I'm just going to read Rashi quickly, shochev belo ochal, lo ochal belo shochem inayin, tamalom ye chabes begadav, riba shte pamim, ksidi chabes begadav. So Rashi has the whole drasha here. But the drasha ultimately is like this. If you're carrying your clothing into the home, so then essentially carried clothing, carried accessories have the same din as a body. What happens with the body? As soon as you walk into the Bayis Amanuga, the home of Flickbutzras, what happens? What happens? Everything is tummy. However, if you're wearing your clothing, then ultimately, again, worn accessories, worn clothing, have a different halacha. Whereas the person, the body becomes tame immediately, worn clothing and accessories will only become tame if you linger inside of the home for some, what we'll call halachically, substantive amount of time. How long is a substantive amount of time, the Gemara says? Kedei achilas pras. The amount of time it takes to eat half a loaf. And by the way, what type of loaf? It's a wheat loaf and not a barley loaf. Rabbi say it takes less time to eat uh, wheat bread than it does to eat barley bread. And reclining and eating with a lifton is like a condiment or a relish. So Rabbi say so interesting enough from the word chita, chita teaches me that the sheer for tumah, if you are wearing your clothing, right? So if you're carrying your clothing, you're carrying your shoes, you're carrying your accessories, ultimately, again, you go ahead and, you go ahead and, the items, be, if you're carrying it, then halacha lamaisa, again, everything becomes tame immediately. But if you're wearing it, then by definition, the body becomes tame immediately, and halacha lamaisa, halacha lamaisa, the clothing, accessories, only become tame if you linger there long enough, if you go in and you linger in there long enough to eat half a loaf of wheat bread, this is what we're learning from chita, mesav, reclining, belifton with a condiment, good. Saora, what do I learn out from barley? Learn from barley, disnan. Etzem kisar matam mago masa, ve'eno matam ibaohel. Also, what I learned from barley, what I learned from barley is that, is that, oh sorry, by the way, I'll just say something interesting. There was a Shiloh post to the base Halevi, the following Shiloh. If there are two people walking into the base Medrash, two people walking into the base Medrash, one is carrying Talis and Tfilin, and one is wearing Talis and Tfilin. Which one should go in first? Who should be allowed into the basement? Again, people want to let, you know, you want to give cover. Who should go in first? <laughs> so it's actually quite fascinating. The base Halevi, the base Halevi said, based on this Gemara, the person carrying the talus and tefillin should go in first. Because you see, you see from here, you see from here that carrying something, carrying something ultimately again makes it part of your person to a certain degree, even greater than wearing it, which is, which is totally counterintuitive, right? Because again, remember, if you carry your talus, if, well, if you, I'm sorry, if you carry your clothing into the bias hamanuga, it becomes tummy together with you. 
if you're wearing it, at least halachically, seems to be reckoned independently of you. So the Beis HaLevi said, you see from here, that carrying the Chavta Shonitzvah can even be greater than wearing the Chavta Shonitzvah. To which everyone jumps on the Beis HaLevi, what are you talking about? The guy wearing it is what? Is what? Being Mikhail Mitzvah. So of course he should go first. Okay, so just just an interesting, just an interesting guy. I just happened to come across. I saw a quote in a sefer yesterday. Just really quite fascinating. I'll say again, it, it could also it, it's also interesting to note that maybe even like hashkafically in that, that what the Beis Halevi is saying is that sometimes when things become a part of me, I recognize their greatness a little bit less than when they're a bit detached from me. In other words, we see this all the time in the realm of human relationships. Unfortunately, so many of us only truly appreciate the people we have in our lives when they're no longer here, right? It's interesting how sometimes when something is attached to you, you don't see it's godless. When it's detached from you, suddenly you begin to see what it is. So the talisman tool, and I could be wearing it and potentially sleeping through davening. But yet I look at it and I see, okay, that's a chavta shal mitzvah. When it's independent of me, I can see the chavta shal mitzvah. When it's on me, maybe I don't see it as much. Again, it seems to me that everybody rejects that notion of the base alivi, at least vis-a-vis entering into the base medrash. So if you're walking into shul, your talisman tool in your hand, and somebody else wearing talisman tefillin, let them go first. In general, it's kedai to let other people go first, whether they're wearing talisman tefillin or not. But Lama is an interesting yisod about sometimes when something is attached to me, on me, part of me, I'm not makir, it's gatlos. I don't recognize its greatness. When it's separate and detached from me, sometimes I'm really able to see it for what it actually is. Good. Soda. Both say, what do I learn from Soda? What do I learn from barley? This not esim kisorim etayim magomasa. A bone fragment that is the size of a barley kernel, has the ability to convey Tumah through Maga and Masa. Maga means touching, contact. Masa means carrying. I will say, remember again, that's carrying even without contact. So for example, if I carry a bone fragment and I put it on, I put it on a pillow, right? And I'm carrying, so I'm not touching the bone fragment, but I'm carrying it. I could, I could contract Tumah that way. However, the Eno and Tabi Ba'ohel. But I will say, bone fragment does not go ahead and convey Tumas Ohel. So if I am under the same roof as a bone fragment, I do not contract Tumah through that. In order to contract Tumas Ohel, you need some more significant part of the mace. Next, Geffen. What do I learn from Geffen, from grapes? Kedei Revias Yayin Lenazir. So I will say, at first glance, the way, the way this is understood is that a Nazir goes ahead and breaks his Nadir Naziros if he consumes a revius of wine. Rashi here also advances something else which is quite fascinating. Rashi says, Kedei Revias Yayin, Begeffen, Kedei Revias Yayin, sorry, Bishar Isurei Nazir, Di Ikala Mandar Masechas Nazir, Dechartzonin, Velulavin, Vaolin, Mitzdarf, the Shiravias, Yayin. Shemitne Makos, Mali Yayin, Ad Shetzimen, Revias, Yayin. So let's listen to this. Nazir is not permitted to go ahead and, well, you're not permitted to consume grapes. Grapes. So we'll say, how, what, what amount of grapes is a Nazir not permitted to consume? So we'll say, so listen to this. So the Gemara is suggesting over here, it's the amount of, it's, it's the amount of grapes that would displace a revius of wine. The amount of grapes that would displace a revius of wine. They both say, the dafka wine and not water, since wine again is thicker than water, therefore by definition it'll take a bit more to go ahead and displace 
a revius of wine. So interestingly enough, so the Gemara says, Gefen Kedir Revius Yain is not, it's not talking about consumption of wine, but rather it's talking about the other things that a Nazir is not permitted to eat. The sheer is the amount that would displace a revius of wine. Incredible. Teina, what I learned from Teina from Fig, Kegro Geres Lotza Shabbos. We'll say that teaches me that the sheer for Otsar was back to our Shabbos days. Remember, in order to be high for Otsar, transferring an item from one domain to another, you have to carry a significant shear. What's the definition of a significant shear? At least the size of a fig. So if you carry a food item and it's less than the size of a fig, you're not chayyah for otzah on Shabbos. Rimon, what did I learn from pomegranate? This nan kol kli balibatim, balibatim, shirim krimon. Both listen to this. If you have a kli, if you have a, right, you have a, let's say you have a bowl, and the bowl becomes tummy. So we'll say one of the ways in which one could go ahead and remove the tum of a kli, obviously, again, you could go through the is how? Make a hole in it. Once you make a hole in it and it's no longer usable as a bowl, it loses its shame bowl, right? It loses its identity as a receptacle, as a kli. And when it loses its identity as a kli, it loses its tumma as well. So let's listen to this. So, but for balabatin, right? For, for, for what we'll call privately owned utensils, so if, let's say I have, a, I have a grape bowl that I use for grapes and it got the hole the size of a grape, what will I do? What will I do? I'll use it for apples. Good. And if I go ahead and it gets a hole, the hole gets bigger the size of apples, what will I use it for? Pomegranates, something bigger. The idea is people use their utensils. So again, as big as the hole gets, I'll just use it for something bigger. However, once it gets the hole the size of a pomegranate, it's not really usable for anything, and therefore it loses its identity as a kli. And once it loses its identity as a kli, it loses its tum as well. So that's what it means. Rimon, Rimon, pomegranate, it's not kli balibatim, shirin karimonim. I will say that interestingly enough, that is different, that is different, let's say, than a, than a kli that belongs to a merchant. A merchant will not hold on to a kli. Ultimately, that even has a small hole. So interestingly enough, there's a difference between privately owned, I should say, utensils for private use versus utensils for commerce. Utensils for commerce could lose their tumah much sooner with a much smaller hole. Masha'inkin, privately used utensils, will not lose their tumah until they develop a hole the size of a remote. Incredible. Eretz zeis shemen udvash. So I'll say, what does it mean when it says a land, a land of oil, and honey. So the Gemara says, er, or really, it's really er, er, is a shaman. What do I learn from that? Eretz shekol It's a land where all of the shiurim are a kizayis. So the Gemara says, what? Kol What are you talking about? All the shiurim are kizayis. We just went through a list of shiurim that are not the size of a kizayis. So the Gemara says, ha'ika hani darminon. What about all of these cases that we just spoke about? Ela'ima sharov shiura kizayisim. Rather, it means a land where the majority of the shiurim are kezayis. So we'll say, while it's true, we're going through a list over here of shiurim that are not a kezayis. We know that the majority of shiurim in general are a kezayis. Devash, what do I learn finally from devash, from honey, from dates? Kikoseves hagasa v'yom kippurim. We'll say we learned that the shear for consumption on Yom Kippur is the size of a large date. Rashi says, koseves is a tamra. <coughs> we know that by Yom Kippur, interestingly enough, the Torah phrases this prohibition as inui, as affliction. 
Therefore, the shir for Achila on Yom Kippur is not a kezayis. Rather, the shir for Achila on Yom Kippur is going to be the size of a koseves, a koseves, a, a date. Good. Alma, Doraisen in whom. We'll say, so therefore, again, what do you see from here? You see from here that all shiurin are a Doraisen. We'll remember again, this was Rav's statement of shiurin, chatzitzin, mechitzin, ar halacha l'moshe misinai. Now, we'll say, interestingly enough, the Gemara says, why do you call it halacha l'moshe misinai? We'll say, remember, when we speak about halacha l'moshe misinai, what is a halacha l'moshe misinai? What does that mean? What does that mean? It means it's not what? It's not written. You're not going to find the Pasuk in the Torah. Now, you're telling me, Rav said before that, all shiurin are halacha l'moshe misinai. And we'll say, what have we done for this entire daf so far? We've shown that shiurim trace themselves back to the Pasuk of Shivas Haminim. So why would you say that shiurim are a halacha l'moshe misinai? In fact, shiurim are a da'araisa. Da'araisa means it's from a Pasuk in the Torah. To which the Gemara says, I'm a da'araisa. No, no, no. Shiur miksivi. To which the Gemara says, come on. Does the, the Pasuk of Shivas Haminim, does it actually say anything that we just learned, right? Did it actually say, does it say that chita is the shear for a half of a loaf of wheat bread for your clothing to become tummy when it's on you when you walk into a bayis hamenuga? Does it say that saora means a, a bone fragment the size of a, of a barley kernel makes you tummy through contact? It doesn't say any of these things. Rather, the Gemara says, Ela hilchasaninhu ukras machtaba'alma. Rather, says the Gemara, the way you have to understand the Shirin Bosa is Shiurin, all the Shiurin that we just discussed, all of these measurements are all the Halacha Lamosha Sinai. And all the Gemara did, all the Gemara did was ultimately, again, go ahead and what? Kra Asmachta Ba'amahu. They went ahead and they simply, it's an Asmachta. What's an Asmachta? Asmachta is when you have an independently verified Halacha and you just want to go ahead and kind of link it to a Pasak. The shiurim are not being learned from the Pasuk of Shiva Saminim. The shiurim that we just spoke about are all a halacha l'moshe misinai. Chazal are just linking it to the Pasuk of Shiva Saminim. We'll say, or to say a little bit differently, it happens to be, the Pasuk of Shiva Saminim happens to be a very convenient way to remember all of these shiurim. And obviously it's not by accident either that there's that linkage. But lemaisa, the shiurim themselves are not being learned from the Pasuk. They are halacha l'moshe misinai. They're being linked to the pasuk. Good. Chatzitzin daraisin. Rabbi said, "What's the next case? Chatzitzin. Dalachos of chatzitzin, namely again that what that you can't have any anything that interposes between your body and the water of the mikvah. So where is that a daraisin? So dechsev verachatz b'sarah b'mayim." Again, the Gemara is questioning, why do you call chatzitzin? Rav, you said chatzitzin is a halacha l'moshe misinai. It's not a halacha l'moshe misinai, it's a din daraisa. The Pesach says, You should go ahead and wash your flesh in the water, which means that the flesh, your flesh, the body, has to come in contact with the water. For the body to come in contact with the water, there can't be what? There can't be what? There can't be a chatzitzin, it's a daraisa. It's not a halacha l'moshe misinai. Tush Gemara says something amazing. You're right. What does the Halacha Lamoshe Misinai teach me? The Halacha Lamoshe Misinai teaches me that there can't be a chatzitza in one's hair. Kid Rabba Barbarchano. Do Amar Rabba Barbarchano. Nema Achos Kshura Chotzetzes. Listen, Rabbarchano said that Halacha Lamaisa, if you have one hair that's tied in a knot, 
That's a chatzitza. Why? Because we'll say the assumption is that one hair could be tied tightly, and therefore the water will be unable to access the knotted part of the hair. Shalosh, enon chotzitzos, three hairs tied together. Do not pose a chatzitza. Why not? Because we'll say the assumption is that when you tie three hairs together, you can't really knot it as tightly. Therefore, the water will access it. Shtayim eni yodea. Two, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if two tied hairs represent a chatzitza or not. So we'll say, the Gemara says, so the Gemara says, so Seyar is also not a, a halacha l'moshim Sinai. Seyar is also learned out from a pasach. Where is it learned out from? Tichsiv. Berachatz es b'saro b'mayim es hatafa l'b'saro. So listen to this. The pasuk says, "You shall, you shall literally immerse your flesh in the water in the mikvah." Es rabosai is a riboy. The word es biblically always comes to include something. So the Torah is saying you have to go ahead and make sure to immerse your flesh and something else in the water. What's the and something else? Es hatafa l'b'saro. That which is secondary to your flesh. I, what's secondary to my flesh? Umaynihu, sorrow, hair, hair. So I will say, you see that we learn from the Pasuk itself that both one's flesh and one's hair must be without chatzitzah in order to immerse. So therefore I will say, which part of immersion exactly, or which part of chatzitzah is a halacha l'moshim Sinai? It seems to all be learned, it seems to all be learned out from the Pasuk itself, which makes it a daraisa. To which the Gemara says, You're right. We'll say, where does the halacha l'moshe misinah of chatzitzas come along? It comes from Rabbi Yitzchak. We'll say, listen to this, an incredible halacha. The Amr Rabbi Yitzchak. Rabbi Yitzchak says as follows, Amr Beis, Devar Torah. We'll say, listen to this. Mid da'araisa, rubo, umakpid, alav chotzeitz. We'll listen to this. Mid da'araisa. If you have a chatzitzah, that is rubo, umakpid. We'll say, what does this mean? Ruba means what? Ruba means what? Covers the majority of your body. Makbid, you're makbid on it. You, you, you are makbid, you are careful, you are insistent to remove it. Ultimately, again, chotzitz. That's a chatzitza. We'll say, the biblical definition of a chatzitza is any interposition which satisfies two criteria. Ruba covers the majority of the body. Makbid, you don't want it there. V'she'eno makbid, alav, eno chotzitz. But I will say, even if for argument's sake you have something that covers the majority of your body, but you're not makbid on it, doesn't matter to you. Doesn't matter to you. Not, you, you would not normally be makbid to remove it. It's not a chatzitza. So I will say, this is pretty dramatic. Midah or on a biblical level, the only thing that is a chatzitza is rubo umakbid. The gazru chazal came along and said, what? The gazru al rubo she'en umakbid, mishum rubo hamakbid. Chazal came along and they said, okay, we're also going to be, because we're also going to include on rubo veino makbid. If something covers the majority of your body, even if you're not makbid on it, even if you don't care about it, you wouldn't be insistent on the removal of it, that's still a chatzitza. Why? Lest you come to confuse the case of rubo veino makbid with the case of mishum rubo hamakbid. Because we'll say we're concerned that if we allow you to go to the mikvah, with something that covers the majority of your body, because you're not makbed on it, you may come to inadvertently immerse with something that covers the majority of your body, and what? And what? You are makbed on it. Furthermore, again, furthermore, again, vi al mi'uto ha-makbed, mishum rubo ha-makbed. Furthermore, Chazal also said that if halacha la you have a chatzitza 
that is only on a miut, that is only on a small part of the body, but you are makbid, right? You, would, you are insistent on the removal of that. You are not allowed to be tovel on that, lest you come to confuse it with a case of mishum rubah makbid. So we'll say essentially what Chazal said was like this. Doraisa, the only type of chatzita that is problematic is ruba u makbid. We'll say this is the halacha l'moshimisinai. When we say divar Torah, this is not a pasuk. This is the halacha l'moshimisinai. The halacha l'moshimisinai says the only problematic chatzita is ruba u makbid. Ruba u makbid. Okay? Chazal essentially came along and said to simplify it. Chazal said, if you have any part of that, either if you're rov, even if you're not makbid, or you're makbid, even if it's a miut, that's also chatzitza. So essentially, anything which resembles the da'oraisa in one way, either it's rov or it's makbid, is going to be problematic as well. I beligzer nami amiuto sha'ina makbid. I but why not also go ahead and therefore be gozer on miut sha'ina makbid, something that only covers a small part of the body, and you're not makbid, be less we be concerned with miut ha makbid, to which the Gemara says, no, no, no. He gufa gzera, neko gzera To which the Gemara says, the says listen, to the Gemara, listen to the flow. Remember, what's the only type of problematic, problematic chatzitza? Ruba u makbid. Two criteria. Covers the majority of the body and your makbid on it. Chazal stepped in and said, if you have one of those two, it's problematic. So if it's rubo, even if you're not makbid, or if you're makbid, even if it's miut, it's still going to be a problematic chatzitza. Aisa asks the Gemara, so why not also be gozer on miut ve'en makbid, something is small and you're not makbid, only part of the body and you're not makbid, lest you come to confuse with one of the other cases, to which the Gemara says, no, 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 we'll say that's called gazrina gzera lagzera. You're already, you're, you're, you're laying on multiple levels of rabbinic enactments. We already were gozer, miut the umakbid, and ultimately again, rubo ve'eno makbid, as an additional layer of rabbinic gezera. To start now being gozer on miut ve'eno makbid, that's a gezera le gezera. So, both say, so ultimately again, what comes out of here is that the halacha lamoshe misina, so let's go back. The interesting thing about, about chatzitzos is that some of it is da'raisa, and some of it is halacha l'moshe misinai. So the notion that there can't be anything on my flesh, da'raisa. The notion that there can't be any chatzitzah in my hair, da'raisa. So what does the halacha l'moshe misinai really give me? Interestingly enough, it gives me the definition. That what is the definition of a chatzitzah? The definition of a chatzitzah is, definition, rubo umakbit. That's the biblical definition. The Rabbanon came along and just added on to an, an additional layer and said, if it's miut umakbid, or again, rubo ve'eno makbid, either if you have makbid or you have rov, one of those two, ultimately, again, that is a chatzitza as well. Incredible. What about mechitzas? We also remember again, this whole discussion was leading to this last part. We also remember again, let, let's just review how we got here, right? How did we get here, Bosei? We got here because the entire daf hay only worked according to Rabbi Meir. Why? Why? Because Rabbi Meir holds, what's the size of an amma? Six tfachim. And therefore, again, the height of the aron was ten tfachim, which gives me the minimum shear for the wall of a sukkah, for a mechitza. For a mechitza. 
I, Rabbi Yehuda, you hold that the Amma for Kalim is only five Tfachim. In which case, where do you get your shear that the wall of a sukkah is ten Tfachim, minimum shear for a wall of sukkah? To which, to which Rabbi Yehuda responded, Halacha Lamoshe Misinai. Now, as I said, this whole discussion was for this last part. Mechitzin, what are from Mechitzin? Hada Amran, so the Gemara says, Mechitzin is what we said before, namely that the Halacha Lamoshe Misinai is that the minimum shear for a wall ultimately, again, is going to be 10 Tfakim. Rashi says, Legova Asara. So we'll say, this is very beautiful for Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Huda doesn't need a halacha l'moshe misinai to teach me that the minimum height of a wall is 10 Tfakim. Why doesn't he need a halacha l'moshe misinai? Where does he get it from? Where does he get it from? The Aron. Right, the Aron. I already know the box of the Aron is 9 Tfakim. The lid of the Aron is 1 talent. That was the whole Gemara yesterday. So what is Rabbi Meir going to do with the halacha l'moshe misinai by Mechitzin? Listen to this. Ki asai hilchasa legud velavud Incredible, So ultimately, again, for Rabbi Meir, the halach, so this is very interesting. Everyone agrees that there is a halacha lamosh misinai by mechitza. The shaila is what you use it for. Rabbi Yehuda understands, and again, I will say, this, this was different Masoras. Rabbi Yehuda understood that the halacha lamosh misinai for mechitza was there to teach me that the minimum height of a wall is 10 tefokim. That's where, that's where he learns it out from. Rabbi Meir says, I that's learned out from the Aron. So the Halach Lamosh Mishinai by Mechitza teaches me what? The Halach also will say, like, good, like, good, lovehood, Dolphin HaKorvos. Remember again, good, good refers to all of those cases where you take existing walls, you extend them upward. Or again, you take the edge of rooftops, right? And you go in and extend them downward. So good asik, good achis, pitikra yard, so same. These are all the same halachos. Or lavod. We'll say lavod, of course, is the halacha that says what? Any two things that are less than three tfachim away from each other are considered to be joined. And dofen akuma, which we just learned in yesterday, um, not yesterday, Sunday's daf. We learned dofen akuma, that halacha lamaisa, as long as there is less than four amos between the schach and the wall, even if that middle area is chach psula, we view the wall as being bent. Beautiful, both side. So I just want to point out this is what we just learned over here is one of these incredibly beautiful, like shas sugyas. You'll find this a number of times. We've seen this already a number of times throughout shas. And both say it's such an incredible gemara because in one little gemara, based on one pasuk from the shiva saminim, we go ahead and really extrapolate so many incredibly important and profound halachas. Beautiful. Both say the good news over here is we now close out the sugya of the minimum height of the sukkah. Remember again, everyone is agreeing on the on the conclusion. What's the conclusion? Minimum height of a sukkah, ten tefachim. Remember again, that ten tefachim does not include what the schach. Right, that's tent fucking of airspace, we'll call it, interior space. The schach has to be on top of that. The only machlokas is how we are learning that out. Rabbi Meir, learning it out from the dimensions of the Aron. Rabbi Huda learning it out from a halacha l'moshe misinai. Incredible. Says the Gimara, we'll say next. V'she'ina shalosh tefanos. Remember the Mishnah went on. And the Mishnah said, halacha l'maysa, halacha l'maysa, if it doesn't have three walls. Right, it has to have a minimum of three walls in the sukkah. So the Gemara says, Tan Rabbanon, Shtayn Kil Chasan, Ushlishes Afilu Tevach. Also the Braises says, when we speak about three walls, it's really two complete walls, two, what we'll call two whole walls, but the third wall could even just be a Tevach. Could even just be a Tevach. So the Gemara says, Rab Shimon Omer, Shalosh Kil Chasan, Ureviyas Afilu Tevach. 
Reb Shimon says, ultimately, again, no, you need three full walls, and the fourth wall could be even a tefach. So we'll say, fundamental machlokes about the minimum shear of sukkah. The Tanakama saying, the, right, the Tanakama saying, it's a total of three walls, two whole, the third one only has to be a tefach. Rabbi Shimon saying, no, four walls, four walls, three whole walls, the fourth one only needs to be a tefach. So we'll say, my kamiflagi. What's the machlokis over here? So we'll say, this is actually quite fascinating as well. Rabbanon Savri, Yesh Eim the Machlokis is going to be how you should dash in a Pasuk. Should you dash in a Pasuk the way it is written or should you dash in a Pasuk the way it is read? So as we're going to see the Rabbanon hold, we dash in a Pasuk, ultimately again, Yesh Masores, Rashi says, Kimasha Kasav. We look at how the Pasuk is written, not how it is pronounced. And Rabbi Shimon says, we look at how the Pasuk is pronounced, how it's read. What does this mean? Let's analyze. The Rabbanon say we look ultimately again how the Pasuk is written. So how is the Pasuk by Sukkis written? Listen to this. Basukos, Basukos, Basukos. So I will say that's interesting. Now, now if you notice, you know, what's the difference? The first two times we find the word Sukkos written, it's written Chaser, without a Vav. The third time, it's written with a Vav. So the Rabbanon essentially say like this. The Rabbanon say, when Sukkos is written, because remember again, the Rabbanon say we look how something is written, what we call Yesh Eim Lamasora. So I will say, I should just give you a word of introduction here. This Machlokes is a fundamental Machlokes in how you darshan Psukim. Yesh Eim Lamasora, Yesh Eim Lamikra. When we darshan a Pasuk, do we look at how the words are written or do we look at how the words are read? So that's a fundamental machlokis in how you dash The Rabbanon will say, we look at how the psukim are written. It's, so we have basukos, basukos twice, chaser, basuk without the vav, basukos once with the vav. So we'll say in the Rabbanon's darshanas model, essentially what you have is as follows. Every basukos without a vav counts as one. A basukos with a vav counts as two. So basukos, basukos, basukos without a vav, basukos without a vav, basukos with a vav. Gives you a total of how many sukos? Harikan, arba, four, four. So we have to, we have to work with we have to work with essentially four mentionings of sukkah. Harikan arba, dal chav the gufei. That was you have to take away. You have to go ahead and remove one of those from this because we'll remember again one of those sukos teaches us what teaches us what the mitzvah of sukkah. Right, look at Rashi just a moment. So the Gufei, almost right across in Rashi. We'll say, so the first Sukkos can't be used for a Drasha because the first Sukkos come to teach in the midst of Sukkah. So Pashulei Tlasa, that leaves me with how many Sukkos, Rabbi How many Sukkos? Three. Shtayim Kilchasan, Rabbi say that teaches me what? Shtayim Kilchasan, Vasai Hilchasa, Vigar Asa, Lishlishes, Vaokmatavach. Rabbi say, so the Rabbanan will pause it. That there is a halachala Moshe Misinai by Sukkah. And the halachala Moshe Misinai by Sukkah teaches me that the last wall need not be a complete wall. Rather, it just needs to be a tafach. So, according to the Rabbanon, how many walls do you have? Well, I have four Sukkos altogether. Remember again, Basukos Chaser, Basukos Chaser, Basukos Malay. First Sukkos without a Vav, second Sukkos without a Vav, third Sukkos with a Vav yields me a total of four, total of four Sukkos. Take out the first one because it teaches me the din of sukkah. I'm left with the sukkah of three walls. 
three walls. Then he tells you, by the way, the third wall need not be a complete wall. All it needs to be is a tapach. That creates their shita, the shear of sukkah, three walls, two complete ones. The third one only has to be a tapach. Rabbi Shimon Saver, Rabbi Shimon on the other hand holds, Yesh Eim Lamikra. Rabbi Shimon says, no, 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 we don't look at how the, the Pasuk is written. We look at how it's read. How is it read, Rabbi It's read as if what? As if what? As if every word is male. It's read, sukos, sukos, sukos. In other words, when you read it, there is no distinction. When you read it, you read it as if it was male. Oh, if each of them are male, say, how many sukos do you have to work with? How many do you have to work with? Three. Six. Right? Three words, three words, but each one represents two because each one is male. Harekan sheish. Oh, I have six sukos to, it's a lot of sukos to work with. Dal chad you have to peel off one sukos, right? To teach you the din of sukkah. Now remember again, one is equal to? To two, right? So I have to remove one sukos to teach you the din of sukkah. So pashalu arba, that leaves me with four sukos. So I'll say four sukos teaches me that what? A sukkah requires four walls. Then comes the Allah Chalamosh in Sinai, Shalosh Kilchasan, Vigar So ultimately, you know, say, so again, that'll leave me with four walls. Everyone agrees, Rabbi say, on the Allah Chalamosh in Sinai, which is very interesting. Everyone agrees that the Allah Chalamosh in Sinai teaches me that what? We'll call it the last wall, need not be a complete wall. The last wall only has to be a tefach wall. The Shaila just is what's the last wall. So in the Rabbanan's model, they hold Yesh Imla Mikra. We darshan based on how the word is read. Basukos, Basukos, Basukos. It's red Malay. That's six Sukos. Take off one, ultimately, the teaching and then of Sukkah. Ultimately, now I'm left with four. four sukkah requires four walls. Halakha Moshim Sinai tells you the fourth wall only has to be a Tabach. Incredible. Incredible. So the Gemara says, so that's the Machlokas. The Machlokas, the Rabbanon and Rabbi Shimon is Yesh Im Mikra, Yesh Im Masoras. How do you darshan? The Rabbanon will say Yesh Im Masoras. You darshan based on how it's written. Therefore, I end up with four Sukkos. The Halakha Moshim Sinai goes ahead. I'm sorry. Take off one of them. To teach me the din of sukkah, I'm left ultimately again with three sukkos. Sukkah requires three walls. The Allah Chalmushim tells you the third wall only has to be a tepach. Rabbi Shimon holds, Yesh Mamikra. We look at how it's read, not how it's written. Basukos, basukos, basukos. Six sukkos altogether. Take away one. Ultimately teaching the din of sukkah. That leaves me with four. That leaves me with four. Halach Chalmushim teaches me the fourth wall only has to be a tepach. Incredible. The other possibility is, the Kuli Alma, in the Mikra. Maybe everyone holds that we darshan psukim based on how it's read and not on how it's written. And here's what they argue about. Ultimately, again, one opinion will hold that you have to use up one of the sukos to teach me the din of, to teach me the din of schach, Right? And therefore, again, that, that'll be the Rabbanon. Therefore, you're only going to be left with three sukkos for the walls. Three sukkos for the walls. But Rabbi Shimon, on the other hand, holds that, no, you don't need a special, you don't need to use one of the sukkos for schach. Why not? Why not? Because I say, it's obvious that schach is included with sukkah. Why is it obvious that schach is included with sukkah? Because the entire essence of what makes a sukkah sukkah is, is the schach. And therefore, again, you don't have to use up one of those for the drush. Sorry, we'll, see, you know, we'll stop over. We'll pick up in Meretz Hashem. Really a fascinating machlokis. We'll pick up in Meretz Hashem with the rest of it in Meretz Hashem tomorrow. Shkoyach.